Ah, oh, no mic. This is tough. I'm gonna look in that empty spot where he should be. That's sad. Yeah. Welcome to the Baseball STL Podcast. JJ Bailey back again with you uh, after a one-week hiatus. I apologize. It was a PGA Championship kind of weekend, and there was just no time to do the Baseball STL Podcast. But I'm back, and we've brought back a show favorite, the People's Champion, the trade pole king himself, Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, how are you doing, man? Hey, everybody. How are we? Everybody doing good? (laughs) <laughs> I'm acting like there's like a studio audience because we're back in the uh, tip your waitresses. We're back in this beautiful this beautiful set here at KMOV. The uh, what's the what's the name of the show that they record here? This is great. This is the Great Day Studio. Great day. Yeah. The great day, and it is a great day, especially in Cardinal Nation. Sixty six and fifty five, four games out of the division, one one game out of the wild card. Brendan, eight in a row. Are these Cardinals for real? Schilt's getting real, man. Schilt's getting real. Are these Cardinals legit? Man, this is this is the run uh, that I think maybe a few people expected right after the managerial change, which is probably an unfair expectation. But certainly they did expect if a change in manager was going to galvanize the team, if, it, if, if they were going to start playing better baseball, if it was going to be like – what the front ma- the front office said, which was, we got the talent in this clubhouse. You know, we just need a change. We need to we need to to, to fix this uh, without necessarily adding major pieces. This is the kind of response you'd expect, yes? Yeah, and and it makes you look a little silly for like when that trade deadline goes down and you're like, oh man, they didn't do anything major. They traded away from their their big league roster rather than add a piece, and so you kind of maybe felt underwhelmed at that time. But since then, they, they've been on top of the world, and it's been the offense, it's been the pitching, it's been pitching from guys whose name you may not have even known back in April or spring training. And, yeah. and everything is kind of coming together right now, and they're, they're having that run that, yeah, it's put them right back in the thick of the playoff hunt and potentially to stay. I mean, we've got six or so weeks of baseball left. Um, there's so many teams packed into the wild card chase. We'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit. But certainly uh, the, the way they're playing right now, you can't count them out. And I would say, um, obviously, I stirred up a little bit of uh, – we didn't have a podcast on it uh, a week ago. But I stirred up a little bit of uh, – I kicked the hornet's nest a little bit by insinuating that Javier Baez, who uh, I would say two weeks ago was probably the odds-on favorite for the MVP, I said, you know, he's not even the best hitter in his division, talking about Matt Carpenter. And of course, Cubs Twitter found me, and and I tried to help out with that a little y- bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, no, you put up a big neon sign pointing right to my Twitter account. However, in the ensuing week and a half, Matt Carpenter has continued to. I don't want to say prove me right because I'm not like some genius. I mean, he was he was on a biblical tear at the plate, but he continues. To be really, you know, if you want to talk about the 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 Schilt era renaissance, or you want to talk about eight in a row, and you want to talk about this team is all of a sudden not only record wise in the standings, but from the eye test appears to be capable of hanging with these teams. The engine driving all of that has been Matt Carpenter's offense. It has been, and that was like why Wednesday night when he gets hit in the hand with that pitch, 
I, I felt the season flash before your eyes. Like th- yeah. this could be mm-hmm. this could be the kind of injury that changes the season. And, and people were saying, hey, slow down. We don't know anything yet. And that was true. The x-rays turned out to be negative. Matt Carpenter is in the lineup for Thursday's game. And so hopefully we'll be able to continue uh, what he's been able to do, that the power numbers, the on-base numbers um, with with the hand situation. But he can grip a, a jar of salsa he can hit. That's what he said. And so he's going to be was- in the lineup. That was that was unbelievable, and I and like that's one of those stories that you're like pretty sure is apocryphal. You're pretty sure that that's like, it, it's it's made up that it comes out that like, <laughs> it feels right though, man. It feels, it feels perfect for the moment <laughs> to prove that he was capable of, of of continuing to play baseball. He opened a jar of his own salsa, which to this point has fueled a Herculean run on offense. There's, I mean, there's no way that it's that like, was the like test. It's like pulling the sword out of the stone. He could open the yes. jar of salsa, and therefore he is the chosen one. Yeah, that was that's kind of, <laughs> I honestly like I respect it if that really happened, uh, but I think that that's probably a better a better uh, social media play than know, it is I a could, real medical test. I could kind of well, I don't know what it means, but he he felt it meant he had the grip strength. But I could just imagine that conversation going on, you know, in the in the medical room or in the clubhouse. Where everybody says, "Oh man, what's going to happen with Carp's hand?" He's like, "Give me the salsa. I'll show you." It's fantastic. Just, just pours it all over his hand. <laughs> it starts to glow. That's what they said. Rub some salsa on it. He'll be so, fine. I mean, this is again. This isn't news to anybody that Matt Carpenter is is the best, the hottest hitter in the National League right now. But he is. I mean, think about this. He's leading the National League in slugging at five eighty nine. I mean. The National League does not have quite the same caliber of bats as the American League, but 589 is a titanic slugging percentage. The fact that his OPS is almost 980. It this wasn't like a hot streak that you kind of enjoyed. This was I mean, he's not I mean, he's not hitting five extra base hits in in the first 6 innings of games anymore, but what you've seen is not just a a turnaround, not just a brief uh hot flash what he's done is sustained power and sustained damage over and over and over again and I think that salsa not so we're gonna get in the salsa in a minute but this is this is the guy that you thought you were adding probably in Marcelo Zuna over the offseason and now this guy has just emerged from what was already a pretty impressive cocoon into a terrifying butterfly. And, and people were saying, how long can this go on? And I think that's probably fair, but then he was doing it for a month, and then he was doing it for another month. What's kind of interesting about the stats right now, uh, I, th- I feel like at this point pitchers should be pretty afraid of the guy. Yeah. And even when he has a little bit of a cool-down period, which if you look at the stats, kind of interestingly enough, he's he's had in the last week. I was going to yeah, save this for he, later. He's calmer now. But yeah. he batting average-wise, he's the lowest of the starters in the last week for the Cardinals. He's only mm-hmm. hitting 174. Yeah, but his OPS, he's got a 350 on base percentage and a, and a slugging that gets his OPS to to 780, and so that's yeah. not insane. But it's like even during a a few days where he's not on top of the world, you still can't pitch to him because you're afraid of what he might do. And even in those, two well, of them were home runs. And in six games, that that little stretch that right. last seven days, six games, he's only got four hits. Two of them were home exactly. runs. Exactly. You know. So what the I mean? power is still there, and they're still pitching around him because they're afraid of what he might do. 
and when, when he does get you, he's still beating you, and you can't pitch to him often enough to make him ineffective because he's still walking at a rate that gives him a very good on-base percentage. And that is, for anybody who's, who's not staring at a baseball reference page right now, over the last six games, Matt Carpenter has 29 plate appearances. He's only hitting 174, right? So he's got four hits. Two of those hits are home runs. He's got five RBIs, and he's walked four times, which means he's scored five times. When you're hitting 175 and you're or 174, excuse me, and you're still doing that level of scoring damage, almost a run per game. Yes, producing you're scoring, RBIs. You're, you are scoring at least almost one per game. You're driving in almost one per game, and you're homering one every three games. That is, if that's a cool down period, oh God help you, because what you've seen is when he's hot. I mean, yeah, he's a destroyer of worlds. But even when he's not doing a ton of damage the moments where he's present on the offense are catastrophic for the opposing team but before we go any further we have to we have to address this i have to address this look he made it he's grown it he's tended to it i'm sure it's fine are you talking about his batting stance yeah yeah no 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 i'm talking about the salsa okay here we go this is my hot take to cardinal nation I want to know, not, not in its, its, its powers, but I want to talk flavor. How good can this salsa really the be? The salsa cynic is here. I can't I'm believe here. it. I'm here. How good could it be? Because he's not around. It's not like he's in his garden every day, you know, tweaking the recipes, not in the kitchen, balancing cilantro and onion together. He makes this salsa, and then he just is just rolling with it. My question is, what, how good do you think the salsa is? I think the salsa is good. Now, I never even went down this road. I, I heard this take from you a couple of days ago. Yeah. You know, I molded over. I'm, I said, I'm sure the salsa is good. But I really didn't know. I couldn't have known. And then a tweet you sent out, you guys were kind of talking about who's the authority on Who good would, salsa yeah. in this organization. And there were some good answers. I think maybe the perhaps the best answer mm-hmm. is the Spanish broadcast team of Polo Asensio and Benji Molina. Those are the guys I yes. want to hear about when it comes to good salsa. And Polo actually tweeted yeah. about it today. Yeah, there was a, he said He's a screenshot had the of him, a, a screenshot of him drinking it. He was drinking it on the field next to Benji and Matt Carpenter. <laughs> and here's what he said: "I've tried it, and it is very, very good. I describe it as first it kicks you with spice, and then it turns a tad sweet with no aftertaste." He loves the salsa. The salsa that that's, you said a couple of days ago couldn't. How good could it be? That's, that's your question. That's my question. Come and, on. And I want—I just want to say, like, stack it up against pace, or stack it up against, uh, you know, north of the border, or whatever you want to, whatever, whatever. Tostitos. Does it win a blind taste test? That's what I want to know. I bet it does. You think it does? I'm—I'm I'm a believer, man. Do you think Matt Carpenter crafted that recipe himself, or do you think that he has help? I bet in the beginning there had to be some in- outside input. There had to be, right? You know. I mean, I, the dude's you know, a professional baseball player. He's really good at that. How and, good can you be at multiple things? That well, would be my question. He did go to school in Texas, though. Yeah. He, went to, he went to college in Texas, uh, so he's probably tasted a good salsa but or two. But somewhere along the way, I bet some of those influences, and somebody else said no. You know, back in college, they said add this for you. You know, I don't yeah. know how long this salsa's been going, but I feel like over the years it has probably developed with the help of many others. So you think this is this has been a a perhaps almost, I like, almost I, decade-long project. I like to think it's been a decade-long project that has culminated this season. Finally, they tweaked the it. the perfect recipe. The Wayno Garden, everything kind of came together to where now they're winning games. 
I want I want to try it. I want to try it. But I say if you're drinking it out of the jar, it's gotta it's gotta be okay. I think so. But I I also am like, look, I, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want the uh, the mysterious. Uh, ethereal powers that the salsa has bestowed upon him to to blind your taste buds. No, you know I don't want you to lean into it being good just because you think it's going to make you a thirty three home run guy. No, it's it's good salsa. It has to be right. That's my that's my take. <sighs> it has to be good. I've gotten other people that have tried it out. You know, he, he Polo Sencio, not in the organization, but he's part of the part of the uh, the outer rim yeah, as a broadcaster for the team but i feel like that gives him enough distance from the clubhouse to say i can be independent and honest about this and i would say i wouldn't expect him to be like no it's trash i would just expect him to not weigh in but he so but he, he raved the fact the fact he that raved he raved about it and he gave you like a nice flavor profile yeah. breakdown which all right look until i taste this salsa i don't know man i want to i just got to know i just got to know what it is and also, what if we found out that it wasn't like he didn't hand make it? That it was it that, was truly no. That never needs to see the light of day. That's I hope true. not. That never needs to come out. I hope, or else he's just going to spin that into an incredible sponsorship deal with Tostitos or something. I wouldn't blame him if if Carp Salsa is a a marketed. Honestly, off like I know this is we're going a little bit off the wall here, but if you are a company, if you are a a company that makes salsa, how in the world? Or if you're Major League Baseball, how in the world have you not tried not to an MLB salsa? You know, yeah. With how the have branding. you not tried to tie these two things together? Yeah. It's all anybody's talking about. Why would you not lean into this? It's got to be the salsa. Would be the kind of the name of the brand. Oh my! The ads, like Dexter and and him already basically made an ad for you. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. That's that's th- this this whole thing about like MLB. Uh, you know, like the stars not being marketable. And, you know, like the whole Mike Trout, eh, right. Right, man, for, eh, okay. But truthfully, this is where baseball falls behind a lot of other sports because this is a super fun marketing opportunity where a guy like Matt Carpenter, who might not be a name in every single house in America, but, certainly, yet. but certainly over the last month, it'd be very difficult for you to have watched anything on SportsCenter and not heard his name. Right. This is a time where you market this kind of guy, right? This is a time where you market this sort of player because there's also like this weird fun narrative with salsa attached. It's I mean, I've never been in branding in my life. I could I could do this. It seems silly to me. I'm with you. That's fair. It's a fair hot take. Now I'm now I'm off branding talk. Let's talk the the baseball maybe. Can we talk about that? The fun the fun <laughs> uh last 7 days. Yeah, so I, I was just putting together a couple of the stats, and, and we already kind of gave away the, the little tease with the fact that Carpenter has the lowest batting average of Cardinal starters the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin Gomber is another guy I want to point out. He's made two starts in the last week, 11 shutout innings. Pretty good. Uh, n- no earned runs in 11 innings. Pretty good. Uh, Jose Martinez is another guy that I wanted to bring up um, because while Matt Carpenter is doing all these things, he's not the only one, and so I, th- I think no. it's kind of good to – uh, mention where on the offense things are also going well in the last week. Jose Martinez is hitting 480 with six runs batted in the last week. He's out yep. of lineup Thursday, uh, as I mentioned, um, to give Tyler O'Neill a chance. He's back from the t- disabled list, and so mm. another one of the guys that's done well. But not just him. Colton Wong OPSing over 1,000. Harrison Bader over, OPS over 1,300 in the last week. Yeah, um, well, welcome to the show, How man. about that? He's all of a sudden – this was, you know, and I, 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 I ding the announcers sometimes, but I think it was Roboski who said, you know, Harrison Bader has struggled at the plate, but it looks like he's going to get uh, kind of a significant run. And if you know that you're starting every day and you know that 
Um, every at bat isn't your defining moment for this week. It changes your approach at the plate, and it changes the way you kind of like adjust to pitches and the way that you game plan uh, for a series or something like that. And he's been proven right. Bader has, when given ample opportunity, has used that to not necessarily try and prove as much as he can do in a short window, but to use that to sort of give himself some runway when he approaches a series. And he's really turned extra at-bats into smarter at-bats. Yeah, and I feel like when people are kind of down on his hitting, there have been little pockets like we've talked about with the one Carpenter might be kind of on right now, but five days here, four days there, he, he makes a couple of starts, doesn't get a hit, and then three pinch hit opportunities, nothing nothing to show for it. But if you if you just look by month and, and you know the last six weeks or so, he's really been able to put it together. But now that he's getting all those starts that you mentioned, the defense is shining, it feels like, on a nightly basis. The oh, offense my God, is good. he's so good. The base <laughs> running. I mean, he, he can do a little bit of everything. And I feel like Wednesday, I, I looked it up, that was his fifth three-hit game of the season. But I feel like Wednesday might have been his best game of the season just because of what he was able to do all the way around, scoring runs with the, the, the wild pitch. The ball didn't get away that far, and then he's, like, slipping, sliding into home plate like a madman. Yeah. In the, in the diving catch he robs Bryce Harper of in left center field, um, did you hear after the game he said he questioned the stat cast, yeah. the 55% catch probability. He said he's going to have to check the math. Yeah, there's on that one. no way that – it's more than half the time so, that, that ball gets caught. So he's having fun. He's you know he's 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 a confident guy as it is. But Which like, he should be absolutely. But with the way he's playing, it's just been really good to watch. And I think Wednesday was kind of the pinnacle of that. And hopefully he can keep it going. Well, and I think that too. If you remember when they signed Dexter, uh, Moselock said essentially like they want to get more athletic. They want to have more defensive versatility. They want to they want speed. Harrison Bader was not acquired from the outside. He has come up from within, but he is exactly the player that the Cardinals desperately wanted a year and a half ago. When they thought they were getting that in Fowler, yes. he turned out to not have any of those things. At he, least for yeah. 2018, he hasn't had any of those yes. things. He had a good year last year. He is, yeah, he has, He has. Uh, I would say, like, faded. Like, the, the, the abilities that made him attractive to the Cardinals have been somewhat neutralized and inf- overnight, and that yes. was not something they probably expected either. But and and Bader has essentially been the answer to that question of how do we get faster? How do we get better on defense? How do we get more versatile offensively? How can we steal bases? You know, a guy that can go first to third on a single is. You know, there's very difficult. It's difficult to quantify their value, but that is that is the point of pursuing guys like Harrison Bader. They didn't pursue him; they brought him up. You know what I mean? They're pursuing that skill set because a single into left field and a guy can go first to third. A sack fly scores that guy now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You only need one out to get that run. He changes he, like, in the same way that Colton Wong can do it defensively. And they did it in the same inning the other day. Too. Yes, they those two guys are the type of players the Cardinals wanted to started to start building their team out of two years ago. I don't think they necessarily anticipated Harrison Bader and Colton Wong being those guys on an everyday basis, but they are. It's and that was going to be my kind of my next point where you look at the way this I'm going to focus in on the outfield for a minute, the way it's structured. Um, Ozuna has kind of come along a little bit lately, but 
about a month ago, we weren't even sure if you wanted him on this team no. next year. And, of course, after 2019, he's no longer under contract, probably going to leave in gone. free agency. So that's currently where you're looking at it left field. Right field, Fowler's money is still there, but you don't really feel like counting on him for next season right. as the starter. You want to have somebody else you feel good about there. And so center field, they traded away Tommy Pham and said, let's let the young guys do it. And I feel like when that was done, it was a Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill. Let's see what either of these guys can do. Bader got a little bit of run. O'Neill mm-hmm. went on the DL. Bader took off to the point where in the last 10 days, I don't see any reason not to play Bader as often he as possible, which was kind of what I said when they traded Tommy Pham, but I didn't want that to be kind of a slight to O'Neill. But my question to you is, with what they've gotten those two guys, how do you see 2019 – how do you see them going into 2019 with that that outfield situation? Is Bader your guy? Is that have you seen enough from him to say yes, or are you not 100% sold yet? I'm not. I mean, the only the only box left unchecked for him is can he do it over a full season? Sure. Right? Can he be a viable major league hitter over a full season? But you're not going to know that until you deploy him for a full season, or at least the rest of this one and, is, is the and, way to kind of find that out. And what you're seeing right now is over an extended period. He, he's not going to probably be a 320 hitter, certainly, but he certainly appears to be every bit offensively viable as you need from a gold star defensive center fielder. What I've seen, and I mean, who am I? But what I've seen is that guy's your starting center fielder. I mean, you got him under club control. He's young. He's apparently, he's, so far, has been extremely healthy in his career. He can hit for a solid enough average. Maybe you work on the strikeouts a little bit, but he's got enough power to give you. I mean, he could give you double-digit home runs easy. Yeah. He could, he, you know, and there's 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 a world where he gives you twenty plus. But he can steal bases and he can steal hits away and he can steal runs. I don't know what you go get that is better than what Bader gives you, for, especially for Not the for price, that price that he yeah, gives. Yeah, I don't you. think you can. And, I, don't, and, I don't see it. And that's kind of the reason it's a hard question for me is because we always get kind of caught up in prospects and, like, what was their ranking in the you know MLB right. Top 100 and these kind of things. Bader was never a guy that was, like, busting down the door of those top 50s or anything Not like yet. that. But he's got the skill set that you talk about. He's then shown it at the major league level for, you know, five, six months or whatever, going back to last yeah. year, look at his total numbers. And in the defensive prowess, I don't think is anything that's going to go away. And no. so when you look at that, he's like, like to me, he's the way we viewed these Kevin Kiermeyers, and who he's had a bad season this year. But guys like that yeah. last year, a couple of years ago, to Lorenzo me, he, Cain's yeah, a he's like years one of those guys. Even though he wasn't hyped up, he's he's been there. He's been a solid player every step of the way. And here in the major leagues, he's doing it again. And and I feel like now all of a sudden we're taking a step back and going, oh wait a minute, the guy that was maybe we said, yeah, I think he's going to be a major leaguer. He's going to be a fourth outfielder. He's going to be a part of a team. Now we're saying this. Maybe he's your. He hits 270, OBP of 330, and, and slugs 440, and, and plays great defense and is a three-win player. It, for the level of, especially the level of defense that he gives you, top and we'll, notch. And we'll get to O'Neill in a second and where he might fit. And that was part of that too. But but where he, a a essentially five-star elite-level defensive center fielder is worth. Is worth so much, especially in a in a park that plays relatively neutral, where a great defense can absolutely give you two, three, four wins a year. This guy, 
his range, his arm, his speed in the field. If you said you can have a a top five defensive center fielder and he's going to hit 270, he can probably get you 15 home runs. He's going to slug 440, but he could steal 25 bases. What? Who in the? What are you going to go get that's better than that? Especially for the cost that you're going to have to give, like whether it be money. I mean, or if you, whatever you paid Dexter Fowler, like that's the kind of cost for that guy, and that didn't pan out because it was a guy at his 30 back, that yeah, was in the back end of the hill. Decline. So, yeah, I'm with you. And speaking of Dexter Fowler and then dovetailing this into Tyler O'Neill, look, the Cardinals are facing a, a, a really uncomfortable crossroads, I believe. Um, Dexter Fowler, you know, he didn't want to change from center to right. You know, he was like, I was signed to be a center fielder. He changed from center to right. Um, you know, obviously he wants to be a starter. He's getting paid starter money. Uh, right now, it's, you know, if Tyler O'Neill comes back and continues to play the way he played, I mean, he had some incredible defensive highlights, something that I think that myself and I think a great many people, he wasn't exactly known for his defense. You know, he was known as a masher. And for him to make a couple of those plays – uh, that were it, one, a couple of them were like ten percent catch probabilities that he made. He almost had an absolute gem last night on Wednesday too. Yeah. That it, and, and they said on the broadcast that like he got there, he just didn't make the play. But it, it, that one would have had to have been an insane one. He he's shown some range and some athleticism out there for sure. And and his his power, uh, you know, his basically I'll shortcut the rest of what I was going to say. Defensively, both of those guys are better than Dexter Fowler. Offensively, both of those guys are better than Dexter Fowler. They're both faster. They both have more power. They both have better gloves. And, I mean, you can you want to debate the arm, you can, but they both have certainly equivalent, if not better, arms. The problem is neither one of them is making $49 million going forward. I think the Cardinals are speeding toward a scenario in which Dexter Fowler logistically... I don't know how he's not your fourth outfielder. I don't know how you st- – I mean, again, Tyler O'Neill, small sample size, but if he comes back and continues to play the way he's played this year, you're going to have to make the decision based on the data that you have in front of you. What you have in front of you is Harrison Bader is an everyday center fielder. Tyler O'Neill, at least at this point, is an everyday right fielder if your other option is Dexter Fowler. 2019, I don't know how you enter the season – without those two guys kind of anointed as starters. I'm thinking I'm thinking for sure about Bader unless he really just tanks like goes on a a, a bad Grichik spell and then you say okay we we're not sure what what this guy is. O'Neal, I still want to see a little bit more of, but I know why everybody is so excited, and, and it's because of that power, and he mm-hmm. continues to show it at Memphis, hasn't gotten enough run to consistently show it at the major leagues yet. And so certainly I think he's going to get every opportunity for that to happen. Down the line, though, wouldn't it be nice if you can go into 2019 with Dexter Fowler having a fresh start, and maybe he turns into something not terrible, and you can move him without having to eat all of that money? Yeah. So I mean, he's yeah. got to get. If you're going to keep him around, you got to play him some. So maybe it's a timeshare in right field with O'Neill and Fowler, but also is right field a spot where you want to add a add a big bat? The Cardinals probably aren't that kind of team that are going to spend on a Bryce Harper, but th- there's some other outfielders out there in the the free agent market. Or are you fine with going with O'Neill, going with Fowler, maybe addressing it on the infield, or saying? Forget it. With what they're doing right now, this is 
this new you know new manager, new yeah. team, new new lifeblood into the into the clubhouse. We feel good about it, and we we don't really need to make any major additions because look, we're making a, a run to the playoffs right now. When you hit you hit it right there that like. You need Dexter Fowler to raise his value. If you close the book on him now, nobody takes him, or else you're eating every dollar of that and contract. I, yeah, and to I just move don't him. think that they should do that. They need to raise his value, but if they are in win now, they're one game out of the wild yeah. card as we record right now. They're four games out of the division as we record right now. Your best option to advance is maybe not to play him. Because even if Tyler O'Neill strikes out in 30% of his at-bats, what he's giving you in the other 70% is more valuable. Defensively, it's more valuable. So they're in a real conundrum because if they really want to make these playoffs, I think the fairness, the, the, the fair point is that Dexter Fowler is not as good as your other options it, in the outfield. Is Fowler going to even make it back? Before the end of the season, do we I, know that for sure? I don't know. I know he's. It's. It could be a thing in September. I don't know how long it, the, the was it broken foot. How that's long broken that's foot, and to, that's one of those things. Is like they're gonna. I, these decisions are going to be made in those critical final weeks. Where like, yeah. I I I think that the Cardinals would probably be better served not to rush him back say, hey, because this it. makes the decision a whole lot easier. Take your time. However. You know he's going to want to get back on sure. the field, yeah. and you're going to have to make those decisions down the road. You know, our our fifty million dollar man is back. Do we play him or do we treat him like a fourth outfielder? And there's and then we go into the next season. How do you? How does he unseat a guy who played down the stretch in a playoff yeah, run? I'm with you on that. So and speaking of, I want to I want to kind of segue to another interesting tough decision. One that it looks like it's already been made for the rest of this season with Carlos Martinez reportedly going to the bullpen when he returns he'll if pitch he'll yep. pitch as a as a reliever instead of a starter um, he's to throw 30 pitches in Springfield on Friday mm-hmm. and then the the plan is for him to join the team in Los Angeles early next week my question to you is should we be worried about this with Carlos Martinez is this weird or not weird i want you to tell me the right opinion so that i <laughs> i don't get chastised cuz i can't tell i've never had a correct opinion in my life okay um it's weird. I think so. I think it's weird. Um, it's scary to say that, but it does feel a little strange. It's. I understand that it's it's part of a larger plan because it's been fits and starts in recovery because you'd rather have him even in short use than risk you know extended workload wearing him down and losing him again. But it's weird. It's weird that a starting pitcher, uh, your ace, ostensibly your ace, your starting ace is going to come back from injury straight into a relief role. Middle reliever, baby. What I mean, he I mean, now he's done it before. Yeah. And it might be an effective tool for the rest of this year. For me, I'm worried about it long term. If I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's just because guess, when you here's the reason. When you see like the way it's reported and the way Mike Schultz talks about it, it's like, yeah, he's going to he's going to enter next season as a starter. And it's like just to have to see that printed out in, in somebody's tweet. I'm yeah. like, well, of course he's going to start next season as a starter. Where, what are we doing here? This is, like, I guess the way I'd frame it is this. is Imagine that Max Scherzer or Chris Sale goes through what Carlos did. Comes back, one start, ah, he's hurt again. Goes down on the, and then all of a sudden it comes out, oh, Chris Sale's going to rejoin the team in the bullpen. What? Why? Wait a minute. And in the re- what I mean, the reasoning—it's not wrong, but it's not wrong. We we kind of do this a lot, where when something comes out, we go, "Oh, okay," and then like two months later, we're like, "Wait, we should have been 
way more skeptical, wondering what yeah. happened with that. And I, is it a is it a deal where they shouldn't be bringing him back at all if they're really worried about the shoulder and the lat? Which the, you know, it's like with the human body, one injury kind of leads to another, especially when you're a pitcher, right? Because you start changing things to avoid the pain, and then right. something else gets. And hurt. so he's he's moving around the the injured weak spots from one part of his body to another throughout 2018. W- would it not be better for his long term? You just signed him to an extension future, to say rather than put him in the bullpen maybe he's not healthy enough maybe we just or is it yeah we just want to be precautionary and that's truly what it is it's a but precaution you're, you're hitting on it right there if you want to be precautionary then <laughs> right. don't pitch him yeah what are we do? look if 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 the concern is i don't think that his body can handle a starter's workload then don't pitch him at all can he he's handle a, pitching every other day like yeah what it, or what if he gets up twice in a game you know, he gets yeah. up, throws 20 pitches in the bullpen, sits down, gets up, throws 20 more. Is that not as strenuous as is throwing two innings? I don't – if if you're worried about his health, then shut him down. He is your best pitcher. If you're worried that he can't start, shut him down. What how, What is the risk-reward here? That's what I, I – get. for me, it's well, – yeah, what? how much benefit does he give you out of the pen versus how catastrophic can it be if he's actually fragile? I could see a, a reality in which Carlos Martinez, Jordan Hicks, and Bud Norris are locking things down in October, and that would be really, really interesting to sure, see that happen. Sure, B- But the likelihood of that – I mean, that's your question, and I feel like it's a fair one – just what's what's it worth to you? You know, what's the that chance worth that to that you? happens? What's it worth to you? And that's why I with, ask. I don't with know with the risk in mind that if there's something preventing you from trusting his body as a starter, so what's it worth to you with the risk attached to it? Because whatever you're afraid of of him starting, I don't see a scenario in which that that thing that you're afraid of can't happen with him in the bullpen. So what are, like what is this move? And I don't. It could work out, but I'm. That's why I say I think it's a little weird, and I'm a little worried. And it's awful early in his career for like a starter to return to the field immediately, go into the bullpen, and then be like, "Well, next year he'll be a starter again." That's like, that's like what you'd expect from Adam Wainwright at this point, not Carlos Martinez. Or if the Cardinals were ten games up in their division, and you were like, "We're going to bring him back in September, give him three weeks to ramp up, and, and then, then he's going to be yeah. a, a, an eighth inning wipeout guy." Because we know we're playing a five-game series, I could see that a little bit more, but it's just like I, I don't know. I, this is this is one of those this is one of those Cardinals things that I agree that like at the time, like yeah, it makes okay what you're your saying argument makes is fine. sense. You're, you're presenting it in a nice way, but it's very weird. Two months from now, when we look back and be like, hang on, what other team brings their ace back? Their their twenty-five, twenty-six-year-old ace back as a reliever in a pennant chase? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. So I, I wanted to bring that up because I was I was just saying I am a little worried about it. But um, one more topic I think before we shut the podcast down, I wanted yeah. to ask you. This is a question I've kind of, I I debated it with people last year. I probably the year before that, and it's already kind of started this year. At this point in the season, you said it four games behind the Cubs for the Central, one game behind whomever in, mm-hmm. in the wild card. Should should you be rooting right now as a Cardinal fan for the Cubs to beat wild card contenders? Or should you still say, hey, we're in striking distance here. The division is not out of play. Because people would say, statistically, mathematically, the Cubs have five fewer losses than the Cardinals or whatever, so you're behind them in the loss column, and it's going to be difficult to, to, to make that up. And the Cubs are probably going to win anyway but because of the pace that they're currently on. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing where put all your eggs in the wild card basket and hope the Cubs just run away with the division and beat down those wild card teams – 
or would you prefer to say kind of everybody beat everybody up, Cardinals keep winning and let the chips fall where they may? I'll say that I don't – at this point, I think it's too early when you're four games back to concede the division. I'd say about September 10th because we're still midway through August – we haven't even hit the, the, the August 25th of 2011, you know, yeah, when, they, when exactly. they turn the corner then. We're not even there yet. We're nine days from that. So I'd say it's it's a little early to be like, please beat these wildcard teams so you can creep in, mainly because this team is – one game with this team I don't think is their strong suit. Play I think for the series. I agree. You if it's always want to play what, for the series. And, and – I understand that there are very smart math people that put their their money into this and their weight into this, but I say run the run the the model or the program on what gives the Cardinals the best chance to get to a series. Because if you're in that wild card, yeah. it automatically goes down by you know fifty or forty eight percent, whatever they expect you to to do in that exactly. game. And and you have to do that before you get to a playoff series. You're within four of the Cubs right now, and you finish the season against them yeah. for three games. Root for the Cubs to lose every game. I don't care who they're playing until the Brewers yeah. become the first place team, and then you root against the Brewers. Yeah, and I think I mean the t- the two teams ahead of the Cardinals are the the Brewers and the the Phillies, and the the Cardinals have the Cardinals have the same amount of wins as the Phillies. They've just got three more losses. Right. So like, two I mean, more. Or two more, excuse they're me, game, two more. Yep, they're a game back in, in Milwaukee and Philly are just percentage points apart. They're tied. So they're you're so, one game back of two teams. So right you're absolutely like, I don't think you need to be praying that the Cubs beat wild card teams at this point. You're going to be in the wild card driver's seat if you it, after one you to win one game in Philly. Okay, now you're in the mix, right? Yeah. For the for Cardinal fans, they should absolutely be cheering for the Cubs to lose because you're four games out. And until about mid-September, and when you start looking at like, oh boy, like a lot of you know, if you're seven games out or something, then yeah, pray for the Cubs to win every game against a wild card team. But right now, one bad series for the Cubs, one good series for the Cardinals, it's a one-game division race. Yeah, and then you close with them, so that you know, could be fun. It's not time for uh, Cardinal fans to be cheering for the uh, the Northsiders just yet. The I don't division think. is still in play. I think that's that's important to keep in mind. Uh, I think. I mean, on. you look at. I mean, I, I know that this doesn't always happen, but you look at Cubs lose two of three, Cardinals win two of three in in, in the the next upcoming series for both teams. All of a sudden, you're you're right there. Yep. You're right there, and then all it takes is they win, you you know they they lose, you win. Now you're one game out. Even if you're within two going into that last series. That's, that's it. That's an opportunity because you you that's it. you'd have to sweep, but I mean that's that's where you're at. You're within striking distance. Yeah. So I think I mean, I wouldn't have said. I mean, we've recorded plenty of these. I would not have said that the that at, at this point mid August that you'd expect the Cardinal fans to be eyeballing a division. But I mean, they're right there. I mean, they've won eight in a row. They did the one thing that this team that we said all all in the in the pre Schilt era we said this team is not a ten game winning streak team. They just don't have it. This is a different team now. The pre-Shilt era was what? What was the guy's name of that era? Was uh, there a different guy? I don't remember. No, okay. I don't remember. I'm just kidding. I don't. No, no, no. I I will say though. Yeah, I mean, this was the, they're doing stuff now that this team did not look capable of. Yeah. Under a previous manager, for whatever reason. We can say Matheny's name though. We're just joking. Yes, Mike Michael Matheny, uh, the the manifesto haver himself. This does. This is a team capable of a lot more than than that team that existed in April, May, and June. Um, so now it's <laughs> four games. Yeah, man, 
Absolutely. You're right on the door. All right, put you on the spot before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Dodgers, Rockies, Phillies, Brewers, they're all kind of in the mix. There's a couple other teams just outside, but I want to stick with those four teams for now. Who scares you the most in a Cardinals wild card game potentially, and, and who do you think the Cardinals would have their number? I guess go ahead and pick who you think the wild card teams are going to be of those five and, and why, and that'll kind of give a, a reason as to who you think is the most scary. I think the assuming that we're we're just going to go Atlanta, Chicago, Arizona is the yeah, winners. Yeah, stick with okay. that for 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 now. Unless you really think Atlanta is going to collapse, which is possible. Them and Philly are neck and neck. I'd put I'd put the wild card winners as the Dodgers and the Brewers slash Cardinals right there. I think I like I think I like Dodgers. You could see the Phillies being a team that's not quite got enough veteran leadership and they they fade the last 10 days or so and the raw horsepower in los angeles is they've got they've got talent man and i feel like they're probably going to be able to get there as well as of today i think the cardinals are going to do it i think they're going to overtake the brewers um the brewers is the is the team that if you're asking me which one scares me the most it's the brewers really given the way that they've played in the division given the way that st louis and them have gone back and forth i don't think that they are an nlcs team but they have it. They've seen the Cardinals. They've played well. I who's going to pitch for them though? That's my question. Is I don't think that they've never had the horses on the mound all year. But there is something about that team that they're very much trying to buck the little brother, like the like the forgotten child of the division. And yeah. I think they would play better in a series against the Cardinals than they would against the Dodgers, let's say, or or they would against the Rockies. There's something about in a they series or even a wild card or a wild card game. game yeah, excuse I think that, me, that could a be one fair. game playoff. I could see that they 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 want to assert themselves in this division, and I just that the added juice to them playing the Cardinals frightens me more than them playing the Dodgers or the Cardinals having to play the Rockies, for example. You play the Rockies outside of Colorado, I mean, anything can happen. And the Brewers have a they can't pitch necessarily, or you're not sure who who they're going to hang their hat on. But that lineup is phenomenal. I mean, you've got Aguilar, you've got Christian Yelich, who's you know close mm-hmm. to not not quite MVP caliber, but he's having a great season. Kane was in the MVP discussion for a while. Ryan Braun is still is still there doing okay. Travis Shaw's got 23 home runs, so they've got a decent lineup too. I I, I can I can understand your point there. They have a lineup that you do not want to. Uh, have to face in a one winner take all one game scenario because they've got five. And the Cardinals have some guys that can hit well, but the, the the Brewers certainly have five guys that can decide that game with one swing. And I'm not sure the Cardinals could maybe answer it with as many bats. I see where you're coming from there, especially when your uh, ace is now a seventh inning man. So. Yeah, what in the? <sighs> Sorry to do that to you right before the end. It's, I don't understand it. Hey, but if you uh, if you have an answer for it, if you have a, a hard opinion, please let us know. You can find Brendan Schaefer on Twitter at bschaefer12. Yes, that is correct. I saw yeah, you leaning in right. like you're going to correct me. I thought me. you were going to. I didn't know if you knew it. It's I didn't bschaefer12. Yeah, the trade poll man himself. You can follow me on Twitter at djj bailey. But don't waste your time. I thank you once again for spending a week with us. We will be back a week from now. No PGA, no distractions. We'll be talking baseball. Could be talking a 14-game winning streak. Could be talking the first-place Cardinal 14-game winning streak team. Until then, follow us on Twitter, like and subscribe on iTunes, but most importantly, be nice to each other. 